Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we are completing our sermon series entitled The Road to the Empty Tomb. And I suppose today more accurately we could call this a road from the empty tomb of Jesus. Today we get to see Jesus on a road to a town called Emmaus. He walks with two of his followers, two disciples, one named Cleopas and the other one unnamed in Scripture. But those two did not recognize Jesus right away. Really, this story in Luke chapter 24 is a story of recognition. And as we look at this story a little bit more closely today, Jesus wants us to recognize who he is, what he's done, and what his resurrection means for us. If you ever traveled to Spokane, Washington, you and found yourself downtown, you might see this mural painted on the side of a building. It's 29 feet high. The artist, David Lopez pixelated Jesus' face in this picture. Of course, it created quite a stir, some controversy, a lot of discussion. And so they asked the artist, why? Why did he paint Jesus in such a way? The artist would not give his secrets. He simply said to people, you can decide for yourselves who Jesus is to you. That's kind of how it is in our world today, isn't it? That Jesus is a little bit of a mystery to so many, not really sure how to think about him, what exactly he is and what he's done. And yes, even at times, Jesus' face seems hidden to us when the trials and troubles of this life come. Today, Jesus assures us that he is the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever, and his resurrection guarantees our victory too. As we take a look at these words from Luke chapter 24 today, let's walk along with Jesus on this road to Emmaus. And as we do, let's recognize him. Let's recognize Jesus together first as the hope for disappointed hearts. And then secondly, as the joy that warms every heart. Let's let Luke get us started in the story. He says this, Now that same day, that's Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. On your screen is a map of where people think the approximate location of Emmaus was, about seven miles from Jerusalem. As we think about that village of Emmaus, it, it is true that, that nobody knows the exact location of the city that Luke was describing. He doesn't tell us more about the city. He simply tells us how far from Jerusalem it was. In the original Greek text, he labels the distance as 60 stadia which translates to about 10 and a half kilometers, somewhere between 10 and a half and 12 kilometers, translated into miles, puts it at about, as our text says, seven miles from Jerusalem. Luke tells us on that day, these two disciples would make a round trip, a trip they weren't really prepared to make at first. And yet those two legs of that journey, the away from Jerusalem leg and then the back to Jerusalem leg, couldn't have been more different. As they were heading away from Jerusalem, they were discussing all the events of the weekend, seemingly trying to make sense of everything that had happened. Suddenly, Jesus was with them. He came up to them and walked along with them, the text tells us. 
Luke lets us in on a little bit of a secret. He lets us know the identity of this stranger who's walking with them, but to those two disciples, there was no recognition of who it was with them. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Luke continues the story. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We get a sense of the mood of these two disciples as they're walking away from Jerusalem. Their faces, Luke tells us, are downcast. Can you picture it? Can you picture the hurt and disappointment in their eyes? Their frown in a pained expression? They knew that hopes had been crushed. And yet they were astounded, astounded that this stranger who came to walk with them seemingly had no clue about what had happened in Jerusalem over the weekend. I suppose if we were going to give a parallel today, it would be like you going to the grocery store tomorrow and someone coming up to you and asking you, why do these people all have masks on? You would have to be hiding under a rock to not know all of the things that have gone on in the last few weeks. And in Jerusalem, you would have to have been hiding under a rock to not know about Jesus and everything that had happened. And so these two disciples provide an explanation for the stranger walking with them, letting them know exactly what had happened with Jesus of Nazareth. Their description ends with some sad words. We had hoped. We had hoped that this was going to be the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. Their hopes had been crushed. Disappointment had flooded their hearts. They go on to explain to Jesus that they were even more confused because some of the women had gone to the tomb, seen angels, were told that Jesus was alive. And when other disciples went, they found the tomb empty, just as they had said. And yet, there was no Jesus. Jesus was nowhere to be found. We know, don't we? what it's like to have a downcast face. We know the disappointment of this life. We know that we're going to face trials and difficulties. We know the hurt and the pain and the loneliness that comes in this life. Yes, the crushed hopes and the, down, the face that was downcast, that's something that is certainly relatable to us. I think about what's going on in our country and around the world right now as the coronavirus has changed the way we live our lives. It also fills us with what ifs, doesn't it? What if? What if we don't ever go back to life the way it was before? What's going to happen to my livelihood, to the economy, to my job? What about future health risks? We can think about all of those things, can't we? And sometimes our what ifs become, we had hoped. Do you ever feel that that idea, that, that the hope that we had is, is somehow lost? We had hoped that maybe God would do something a little bit sooner than right now. We had hoped that, that maybe God would take away this virus completely. There are times, aren't there, that our disappointments, that our worries, 
and our fears cloud us from recognizing Jesus, keep us from seeing him? Yes, Jesus can become hidden to us too when we let the worries and fears of this life cloud our vision, change our thoughts. Here's the beauty. Jesus promises never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He promises you and me that surely he is with us always to the very end of the age. And yes, like he did with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus still walks with us, even when we don't recognize him. Are you aware that there's a condition that some people in this world have called face blindness? It is actually something that causes them not to be able to recognize and recall what a person's face looks like. I can hardly imagine what it would be like living with, some, with a condition like that. As we hear about the disciples not recognizing Jesus on this road to Emmaus, the Bible doesn't tell us why they didn't recognize him. Was Jesus' appearance changed? Did they have a, a case of face blindness? The Bible doesn't say. But they did not recognize Jesus. They, his identity was hidden from them. And I think to myself, that happens in my life too. And it probably happens in yours too. That sometimes the identity of Jesus is hidden when we let those problems of life, when we let our worries and fears come before him. Today, Jesus wants to uplift us again. He wants to give us hope in the midst of disappointment. And even more, he wants to warm our hearts with the joy of his resurrection. He starts with these disciples by directing them back to the only source of truth. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did that not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus knew there was only one place to direct these two disciples. There was only one source of truth for them. He takes them back to the prophecies in the Old Testament, to all the things that the prophets had said about the coming Messiah. And then he uses those prophecies to explain to them that all of what had happened in Jerusalem, all that had happened to Jesus, was part of God's plan. What a lesson from Jesus for us too, right? When our eyes are clouded, when we don't recognize Jesus because of the worries of this life, we have one source of truth too. We have one place to go, and that is to God, to God's word, where we find Jesus revealed in all of his glory. And the promises of God are held up to us again and again and again. God reminds us that nothing can separate us from his love, that what Jesus has done means that our sins are paid in full. And when we connect ourselves to Jesus through his word, then Jesus is greater than our disappointment. He overcomes our grief and our pain. Jesus knew it was time to reveal himself finally to the disciples when they invited him to stay at their house. I'll let Luke tell you the rest of the story. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Jesus chose a meal to reveal himself to the disciples. He sat down at a table with them to eat, 
And when he was giving thanks and broke the bread, that was when these disciples finally recognized him. Their eyes were opened, and they knew the stranger they had walked with was Jesus himself. No sooner had they recognized that it was Jesus than he disappeared from their sight. Their reaction is priceless, isn't it? Were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road about the scriptures? It was as if they were saying to one another, how could we have missed it? Of course this was Jesus. He had made our hearts burn with the joy of the story given in Scripture. You remember what happened next, don't you? They went back to Jerusalem. They made that seven-mile journey back to Jerusalem. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but I have to believe that that second journey went a lot faster than the first one. There was a big difference, wasn't there? Instead of hearts crushed by disappointment, their hearts were full of joy that they had seen the resurrected Jesus. It's Jesus who warms our hearts with Easter joy. Today we celebrate. We celebrate the empty tomb of Jesus. We celebrate that Christ is risen, that Jesus lives. Yes, he was delivered over to death because of our sins but he was raised to life because of our justification. God has declared us not guilty. Our sins are forgiven. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul describes Jesus as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, meaning that others who die will follow Jesus, that our rising from the dead is also guaranteed. That's another joy of Easter. We know that we will rise from the dead, and it's that joy of Easter that makes our hearts burn that fills us with hope to look ahead to something so much greater than this life. Yes, Jesus invites us to live it, to live the Easter joy, not just today on Easter Sunday, but every single day to live what Jesus has done for us, that he's called us his own, redeemed us from sin, and guaranteed a place with us in heaven, with, for us with him in heaven by his resurrection from the dead. When we connect ourselves to Jesus, knowing that nothing can separate us from him, that's when Jesus' love overflows into our lives, lives that are lived for him. The prophet Jeremiah had a great description of what it's like to try and hold this joy of God's word inside. He describes it as a fire in chapter 20, verse 9. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I told you that this story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus was a, re a recognition story. And so there are a few takeaways that I'd like you to take home with you today on that, uh, along those lines of recognition. First of all, number one, recognize where to go when disappointment takes hold of our hearts. We are not yet at the goal of our faith. And so there will be days of trial and trouble, days of anxiety and worry. But remember to look to Jesus. Point two, recognize where to find Jesus' promises of hope. Yes, when we look to Jesus, we know where to find the truth about him. We know where to find his promises in his word. In the same scriptures that Jesus laid out for those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we too find burning hearts as we read about Jesus and all he has done for us. And then finally, number three, recognize and embrace the joy of Easter, Jesus' resurrection, and the sure hope of our own resurrection. 
Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to guess that there are many of you that can relate to a new reality with the coronavirus and being safer at home. Maybe your dinner table is a little bit bigger than you're used to it being, or you have more people gathered around it because you're eating dinner as a family. Kind of a nice blessing, right? Maybe you have a similar situation to my family or a lot of families where you kind of go to the same seat when you sit down for a meal. It's, it's nice, isn't it, to have a place at the table? It's nice to have a place in a family. Well, no matter what the situation with your earthly family, you have a place in a family, God's family. God who sent Jesus to redeem you, who, who carried out God's plan of salvation by dying for you and rising, for you, uh, rising again for you. That Jesus who on the road to the empty tomb guarantees our victory, he's the one who's invited you. He's made a reservation for you at his heavenly banquet. Yes, you and I, through Jesus, have a seat. Have a seat at a table spread before us in the joy and perfection of heaven. Yes, heaven is our home. That's something to rejoice in today and always. Let Jesus turn the disappointment of our hopes that sometimes are crushed into the joy of a warm heart, knowing that our eternity is set with him. God bless your Easter celebration and let it fill your heart for your whole life. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.